I try to say this every time that, that we receive communion. What we do on a Sunday morning with like our little paper-thin wayfarer and our some semblance of grape juice at one day or at one point in time, it might have come from grapes. Maybe. This is a ridiculous symbol that we have turned communion into. What, what we, our, our chiclet and our half a shot of grape juice has nothing to do with communion. Has nothing to do with it. Even what the Catholic Church has done, the Catholic Church or you know, you go to an Episcopal church, the entire service is pointing towards the Eucharist. It's the communion, it's, it's the imbibing, the eating of the body. I don't know if you've ever seen um, a priest, I think in Vatican II they changed it around. You ever seen uh, pictures of priests doing this, you know, when they'll bless somebody? The reason why they do that is because when they break the wafer, the, the wafer is so sacred because it's actually the body and the blood. We, we don't believe that, but they do. They, they believe that it actually turns into uh, the flesh of Jesus. It's so precious that there might be crumbs on their fingers. So once they break the wafer, they don't open up their fingers again because they might drop some crumbs onto the ground. So with as much symbolism and reverence as they have to that, I don't necessarily think that revering taking the body and the blood or taking the bread and the, and the, and the juice, I don't think that we miss anything by revering that. But the goal of communion is the communion of the saints. So when Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in memory of me, was he meaning eat some bread and drink some, they had wine at the time? Eat bread, drink wine? No. As often as you sit around a table and share a meal. Jesus was spending the last, the last few hours of his life sitting around a table with his friends and family. There is a good chance that it was not Jesus and 12 disciples. There is a good chance that there was Jesus, 12 disciples, and their whole family. We know that a lot of the disciples were married. We don't, we don't have a record of the marital status of some of the disciples, but the Passover meal was a meal that you ate with your family. It was a meal that at some point in time, Jesus got up from the table and wrapped a towel around his waist and debased himself to wash the feet of his disciples. And then Peter said, uh, no, teacher, you are not doing that to me. And then Jesus said, well, if you don't let me wash your feet. You have no room in me. And then Peter was like, well, don't stop with my feet. Wash me all over. Now imagine that they were doing that, you know, while the ladies are talking about whatever the ladies were talking about. Imagine that there were kids running across the room. I mean, you've, you've had Thanksgiving, right? You know, the, the craziness of Thanksgiving. Everybody's praying that Uncle so-and-so doesn't say whatever he is probably going to say at the dinner table. There's something that's always burnt. There's something that it's not really fixed just right. The place that they were eating this meal was the room was borrowed from somebody else in the Armenian quarter of Jerusalem. 
So not only was Jesus, his cadre, their families there, the person that owned the house and his whole family was there. Have you ever been around Middle Eastern families? Not known for having small families, especially 2,000 years ago. Had to have big families. So you had to have, you know, you, you grew your own farm support. It's the whole room when he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's not, he's not talking about this. He's talking about the family. So when we say you need to examine yourself and make sure that you're not engaging in communion, disrespecting the body of Christ, he's not talking about this. He's not talking about juice. He's not talking about bread. He's not even talking about like this moment. Because in communion, this is the time though. All right, we all need to talk about what we did last night and how you're very sorry. Because if you've sinned and you drink this cup, you might die. Nope. So we come into this meal, such as it is, focusing on the communion of the saints. The important thing is not the bread and the juice. The important thing is the person that's sitting next to you. The person that's sitting at the same table with you. Imagine if the answer to your prayer had nothing to do with what happens on the stage. Imagine if the answer to your prayer had to do with the person that was sitting next to you. And because we don't ever open up to the people around us, all of those answers just flutter by. So can we just exercise a little bit, thought exercise? I wouldn't be so mean to tell you to to actually talk to somebody that you don't know. you know, we won't do that. In deference to the introverts in the room of who I am chief, can we just have a mental exercise? What would it look like if the person sitting next to you or across the aisle or across the table, what happens if they knew your deepest, darkest secret and they loved you anyways? Oh gosh, what would that look like? What would it look like in the body of Christ if we came into these doors? Who cares what songs we're singing today? Who cares what anybody's preaching at you? What happens if we just come in and we walked through the front doors with with hearts open? What happens if we came into this room and we were just honest about where we were? What was going on? And we already do a killer job at it, by the way. This is not me saying like, oh, you need to be better. Oh, we're amazing at it. The biggest thing that we fight, the biggest thing that we struggle against is that we have no idea who the Lord is. We have no idea who we are. That's why communion is so important. 
That's why the sharing of meals with each other is so important. That you could tell your dumb jokes that nobody likes and the entire table doesn't ostracize you for it. Because when we come in here, we want to put our best foot forward. We want to act like we're spiritual. We want to act like we're well-liked. But the truth is, all of us are just trying to do the best that we can. We love you anyways. I promise you're not near weird as you think you are. We've seen weirder. You're not near the black sheep that you think you are. And if you are that black of a sheep, that's okay. These chairs, these tables were made for you. For all of our our people that are at home and they feel trapped and isolated and, and distant, you just have to have to tap into the spiritual aspect of it. Now imagine if it's not just this church that's getting together for communion. What happens if we are now currently connected with Sovereign Grace across the street or Jehovah Jireh down the road or Trinity over in All Good? What happens at this point in time right now that we are spiritually connected to not only the person sitting next to you, but also to everybody in our community? What happens if right here, right now at this moment, the same connection that, that you might possibly have with the person that's sitting shoulder to shoulder with you, what happens if we actually have that connection with every believer in the world? And then stretch that out backwards in time and forwards in time. That is the communion of saints. That's what communion is. When we come to the Lord's table, we are gathering together with a family that stretches backwards and forwards through all of history, that reaches across political divisions, because I promise you the person that you love the most in this church votes for somebody that you'd rather hit with your car. It stretches across socioeconomic gaps. It doesn't matter what side of the train tracks you grew up on that the communion of saints, the body of Christ, the believers, this family is stronger than anything that you got on any Better Homes and Gardens magazine. This is the communion of saints. So Jesus said, every time that you come to this table, do it in remembrance of me, because this is my body. I mean, he was, he was holding a loaf of bread, but that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about the kids that wouldn't be quiet. He was talking about like the gossip that was happening on the other side of the table. One of the people at that table was plotting to kill him. Said, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me because this is my body. As flawed as you are, I don't know that necessarily anybody came plotting to kill me today. So, This is icing on the cake. We're gravy. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ that establishes the new covenant. What happens if we dare to think that when we ask for Christ to show up in our families, 
What happens if he's already there and he just happens to be moving through you? How terrifying of a thought is that? That you're the answer to the prayer. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel sorry for the people that, you know, the Lord sends me to. Because the only reason why I entertain that thought is because I have no idea who I am. I have no idea what the Lord can do in my life. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ that establishes this new covenant, this family. The reason why you feel so exhausted and so isolated is that you were never meant to carry the burden that you're carrying by yourself. The burden's too great for you. You need a community of people around you. Ah, but therein lies the problem. It's hard to eat a loaf of bread that has a flaw in it. You ever gone to a restaurant and like there's big old nasty hair on the plate? What do you do? Well, some people just keep on eating anyways. Some people send the food back. The problem with us coming in to the body of Christ is that there's big old hairs in the bread because all of us bring our own flaws into this. What happens if we eat deep and drink deep anyways of the body of Christ? I know that there's a flaw. I know that eh, there's a little bit of mold on top of that bread, you know. Can we look past the flaws that we see in each other and tap into, it's the body of Christ. That's my brother. That's my sister. What happens if we forgive? Every person that Jesus was eating that meal with ran off and left him. I know that you might feel alone. You might feel isolated. Jesus did nothing wrong and still died alone. Jesus can relate to you in your isolation. But what did he say? Ah, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. No one was treated by their friends the way that Jesus was treated by his friends. What did he say? Oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So do we have the ability to share bread with people, maybe even in this room? Man, I don't want to forgive you. I want to hit you with a truck. As of yet, they've not crucified you. They've not whipped you with whips. Sometimes emotionally what people do to us, we would prefer the physical pain over the emotional torment on it, but... What happens if we have the ability to just share a meal uh, with the person that betrayed us, with the person that put that knife right in that back? 
And we're not there today, you know. If it takes you five years to be able to get to that spot to forgive them, hey, it's okay. It takes me forever to get to that point. Like when I say, when I stand on this stage and I say, hey, we need to be forgiving. I understand that it is easier said than done. And thank God you can't see me in the times that I fail. So I'm not saying that any of this is easy. But we have our entire lives for the Holy Spirit to mature us to the level that we are the body of Christ. We have every spiritual gifting and blessing. It's found in this body. It's not found in me. I don't have every spiritual gifting and blessing. We do though. I don't have every answer. We do though. I don't have every gift, but we do. You don't have to make it through your life trying to white knuckle and trying to do the best you can. You're allowed to ask for help. All right, let's focus on these elements. Remembering that these elements have nothing to do. These elements are a symbol of the Thanksgiving meal that we share as a body. So when you guys go eat lunch, I mean, I'm assuming that most of us are going to eat lunch today or eat dinner or something like that. When you sit down with your friends or your family, every time you do that, do that in remembrance of Christ. Because it's your family that draws or that gives you bread to eat. It's your family that you and you're relying on your family. That's what's going to make it. Do you have the ability to look across the table at your family, even if it's you're gathering together with some McDonald's? There's nothing wrong with that. Does anyone else ever feel shamed when they recognize you at McDonald's? It's like, don't recognize me. Hey, how are you doing? Don't talk to me. I'm in a place of shame. Let's not talk about this. If you are gathering over some nachos, do you have the ability to forgive from your heart the person that's sitting in front of you? Do you have the ability to forgive your husband even when he said that thing that broke your heart? Do you have the ability to forgive your spouse, your wife, even though, oh, goodness, but Justin, you don't know what she did. I know. The Lord does. Hey, I might have a hard time forgiving him too. So don't beat yourself up about it. Do we have the ability today over a burrito grande to be able to go, hey, I love y'all. Do we have the ability to be honest and say, hey, I know that I said something yesterday that hurt you. I'm sorry. It's a whole lot easier to forgive somebody when they're asking for forgiveness. The same vulnerability that we're talking about in this room please go have that vulnerability at home because if you can't do it at home, it's really hard to do it here. To join hands to pray and to have your taco in memory of Christ for what he did. He came and he rescued us. He took all of us from all of our black sheep backgrounds and he brought us together to form one body. 
Think about the craftsmanship that it takes to form you into a beautiful work of art. And he did. And you might look in the mirror and see somebody that's still messed up, still broken, still busted. But that's not what he sees. We need the eyes of the artist to be able to see the gift that's alive in us. So Jesus, we come to you today. We want to do, we want to share this meal such as it is. Lowly and humble though it is, might be potato chips and, and milk for our friends at home. We want to share this meal, not only with this church in this room, not only with this church that's, uh, that's represented by all of our members, not only this church represented by our city and our community, but Father, we want to gather together at the table of all the saints that have gone on before us and all the saints that have not even drawn breath yet. And we want to share this meal in remembrance of you of your suffering, your death, your burial, and your resurrection. That instead of us dying alone in the darkness, you came and you rescued us. Father, thank you for the gospel. That you decided to bankrupt heaven to gain us. You paid a price that I would never have been even willing to pay, much less even if I was able. You paid that price and you gave us a reward. That's astounding. You've taken the lonely and you have established, you've planted, you've placed them in a family. Father, I'm thankful for my, my local body of Christ that's represented to me here. Father, I'm thankful for the lessons that I have learned in this room And with these people, I wouldn't have picked anybody else. If I had to do it all over again, I would have picked this family right here. Father, I want to lay down my desire to be strong and willful and independent. And I want to give in to relationship with my family. I'm going to stop putting up a shield of protection and I want to open my heart to my brothers and sisters, not only in this room, but also in those smaller groups when we, when we gather together. I want to be seen for who I am. Father, I pray that you would give us all the ability that when we see each other struggling and trying and, and trying to connect, Lord, give us eyes of love to see past flaws, to see past intentional flaws other the things that we're messing up and we know we're messing it up God give us grace and mercy Father we are aware of the price that that you had to pay for this that it came free to me but it didn't come cheap Father, today we receive forgiveness of our sins. Regardless of what we did last night, regardless of what we did last week, we receive forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray that you would open up our eyes that I would be able to see where I am eating things from a table that was not built for me and instead it's being poisoned to my body. Show me how to walk away from those old habits, those old practices, those old mindsets. They don't work anymore. 
Father, everybody that's dealing with struggling or struggling with, with depression, with anger management issues, their poor self-worth, everybody that's struggling with substance abuse, addictions to pornography, the adultery that's represented by this body. Father, we lift up all of our failings, all of our shortcomings, and we ask that you would forgive. Because I deserve it, not one bit. But you said that you'd forgive, you'd wash us clean. That all we had to do is just believe that you came and you died a death that I couldn't have died. That I should have, but didn't. Father, heal us. Father, where there's sickness, where there's disease, where there's dislocation, Father, bring restoration. Pause our whole day and focus on you and focus on each other. Father, thank you for the broken body of Christ, the bread of heaven. thankful for the blood that you shed for us. That this is the cup of Christ. It's the cup of salvation. I think you can go ahead and take the cup. And Paul says that every time we do that, we proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes and rescues us again. Remember that this is not our retirement account. That our retirement account is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Has nothing to do with America, has nothing to do with Tennessee. Our retirement account has nothing to do with the state of this world. We are investing in a kingdom that has not yet been revealed. One day. And every day we get closer and closer to manifesting that kingdom here on earth. If you are struggling with anything, come let us know. Got a couple of announcements for you. This Wednesday, our mama Kim is making us meatloaf. <laughs> Remember that we're still dealing with the, the COVID-19 stuff. So what we're going to do is individually box up. So we're not going to be going through buffet lines. Everything's going to be individually boxed up going to meet in here so if you need to socially distance there is enough space for you to come eat socially distance we are also having two small groups uh, the barn hills are going to be leading our second night of our apologetics class and uh, jen is going to be leading a, a pretty fun class on how to deal with all of the the emotional issues that all of us have been struggling with so i don't know about you but if you've had a stressful year I know that some of us, surely to goodness, there is somebody in this room that has not had a stressful year, but the rest of us kind of have. And when we deal with stress and when we deal with trauma in an unhealthy way, it kind of poisons everything that's going on inside of us. So if you would like some tools, we're not going to be psychoanalyzing. We're not going to put you in the middle of the room and, you know, you're going to have to tell us about, you know, you know, your deepest, darkest secrets. None of that. It's going to be a fun, lighthearted um, uh, group of people. But if you need to process through some emotional trauma, 
have tools put in your hand to be able to deal with the stress in your life, come out this Wednesday. The Barn Hills are going through a class that I'm very excited about, like digging deeper on us critically examining why, why do you believe the things that you believe? Most Christians just believe because their parents told them to, or they're terrified that it could not, or it could be fake. So we don't even, we don't even think about things. It's like, how do you know that God's real? I don't know. I just put my fingers in my ear and I just act like it's true until one day I die and I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's real. Our faith is real. And so if it's real, it should stand up to scrutiny. It should stand up to critical thinking. It should stand up to archaeological discovery. So we're going to be getting together with the Barnhills to dig deeper and to examine why we believe the things that we believe. Because if I don't know when I go out into the world, I get tossed around by everything that Facebook says, that everything that Instagram says. And then the illustrious sages are going to be kicking off our rural rangers and impact uh, classes for our little ones. So if you've got little ones, get them involved in these programs. It's going to be an opportunity for them to learn about uh, Jesus. As at the same time, you're learning about Jesus. Opportunity to go on a camping trip, maybe one day. We've got cool things coming on. We're going to be getting to, oh, by the way, we're going to be planning a work day. I need help. (laughs) I've pulled enough weeds in my life. I need help. I've painted enough walls. I need help. So if you are free on the 17th of October, I'll get you the time later. I think we'll probably do it before lunch um, and then break on that. Even if you are an unskilled painter, if you're an unskilled weed puller, I still need you. And if you're busy on the 17th, I still love you anyways. So this Wednesday, we've got two small groups. We've got Impact and Oral Rangers that are going to be getting together. I'm going to eat meatloaf at 6 o'clock, and then our small groups get together at 6.30. We've got a work day coming up. I think that's it. I'm pretty sure that's it. Assume that I have forgotten something and I'll send you an email out tomorrow. Let's all stand up. Let's put a hand over our hearts. Put a hand on the person's shoulder that you're sitting next to if you know them. If you don't know them, ask first. You don't want to be a weirdo. Well, we attempt to not be weirdos. The Lord bless us. Father, we lift up our entire family to you. Are those that are struggling, those that are on the mountaintop, people that are here, people that aren't here. Father, we lift up our family to you. Lord, I pray that you would let the scales drop off of our eyes, that I would have the ability to look in a mirror and see the person that you have created on the inside of me, that I had the ability to look past the failures and the flaws and the frailties and see the person that you've created. As we have freely received So let us go out into the world and freely give. That all of us have freely received friendship and forgiveness and mercy and grace, love and compassion and power from on high. So let us go out into this world. Let us go out into our families. Let us go out to Sunday lunch and freely give friendship and forgiveness and grace and mercy, love, compassion, and power. Father, I pray that you would change the world through this group here right here, Lord. Heal the hurting, Father. Raise the afflicted. Help us. 
We ask that your kingdom would come, your will would be done here as it is in heaven. Not because I am strong, not because I am wise, but Holy Spirit, because you are all powerful and you have the ability to manifest the kingdom of heaven everywhere you go. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would invade us, that you would move into us and flow through us to change the world, change the upper Cumberland, change Cookville and all good surrounding areas. Father, change our world. And if you have to use somebody, might as well be me. And if it has to happen at some time, might as well be now. Father, help. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all. Y'all have a great week.